Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, um, we're what halfway through um, April already? I mean, through February already? Good grief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, off we're not that, here. Not that, not not that, that far. far, but the Super Bowl is behind us, and that yes. was a great Super Bowl. It was. It was a great game. Great it game. It really was. I mean, it was tight right down to the wire. You know, it's amazing how Mahomes is – is it Mahomes or Mahomes? Mahomes, yeah. Mahomes. He's always – he always can pull it out somehow. He's amazing coming out in the in the tight games yeah. like this. Even, even hurt a little bit in the first half, but still managed yeah. to make yeah. runs in, in the – the second half and and that, yeah and it's incredible just to think of the ages i mean jalen hurts is 24 i think and yeah, and super, mahomes is 27 just i mean pretty young guys and they're young guys doing, yeah doing just yeah. incredible job and, and hurts is good too hurts is a great runner you know yeah pretty incredible fun, to, fun so. to watch so that was a good game yeah yeah you know and there's this thing called the super bowl indicator mm-hmm. um which i think is interesting it's a it's a barometer for the stock market and the theory behind it you know, was, I mean, it's been going on for decades. Sure. Theory was that if the AFC game won, then the stock market would decline for the year. If the NF, if the uh, NFC won, then the market would rise for the coming year. Interesting. Um, so, you know, of course the <laughs> AFC won, but unfortunately this indicator is only right 40% of the time <laughs> in the last 50 years. Which means it's wrong It's a contra- 60%. It's a contra indicator. Right. right? Exactly. It's a contra indicator. So, <laughs> That's so, funny. So rather than the stock market going down since the FC won, I think the stock market's going uh, up okay, there the we go. There we go. <laughs> just interesting, but yeah, it's, mean, funny, it's meaningless, funny folks. It's yeah. meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> mm, interesting. There you go. So... All right, um, but yeah, we got. In, speaking of interesting, we have a great show lined up for the day. We're going to start off talking about the seven ways to blow your retirement. Okay, you want to you want to pay attention to these because you don't want to blow your retirement if you're anywhere close to retirement mm-hmm. or even before retirement. And there are some ways we see this. I mean, where where people get in retirement and they get in trouble. Um, and these seven ways are. are seven good ones that you really can we yeah. really do see that happen sometimes yeah that's great and the second article uh, is good as well it's uh, a couple tips five tips for talking to your parents about finances it can be uncomfortable to talk about finances with anyone but especially aging parents but uh, it's inevitable that we will pass away at some point so talking through this especially with your parents uh, is a very good idea so it's a good article from Schwab yeah absolutely that's a good one um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 28 years now of financial planning and investment advice. And my name is Matthew Travis. I'm also a certified financial planner here at the firm. Yeah, and uh, we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday, um, so take a listen to those. Um, and there's there's hordes of those on our website mm-hmm. going back for a decade now. Wow. Um, yes, yeah, so... So lots of uh, information out there. There You can sort them by topic. Um, so yeah, you ought to get on there and take a listen to some of our old shows if you haven't done that before. Um, and also, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us your questions. You can link to us there off the website, and uh, we'll talk about those right here on the show. Mm. Well, Matthew, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, and this is an interesting one. 84%, and this comes from CNBC, 84% of active managers in the stock market underperform benchmarks after five years. 
After 10 years, that jumps to 90% underperform the benchmarks. Wow. And after 20 years, it goes to, to 95% underperform the benchmark that they're trying to beat. Do you have any thoughts on that? Wow. Yeah. I mean, they just keep getting higher Certainly. and higher of underperforming. Yeah. So, so the bottom line is, you know, active managers, people out here that are trying to time the market or trying to pick stocks to beat the market, they can't beat just a simple benchmark, just right. an index right. fund, right? I mean, they can't beat it. So... Yes. I mean, absolutely. You need to not try to do that. You know, mm. if you're at, you don't want to pick stocks or try to time the market, it doesn't work. And that's what these stats show. Um, you know, so if you're doing it yourself, you need to at least try to get the benchmark return. Mm -hmm. You can buy index funds and get the benchmark return, right? right? So, so buy index funds if you're doing it yourself. If you're working through somebody, you know, like us, um, then, you know, hopefully who you're working through as we do use funds that are structured to inherently equal the benchmark and beat it. Because mm. um, there are some structured ways that have been proven academically to beat the benchmark, right. to get better than the indexes. Right. And it and it works consistently. So Yeah, not not timing the market in and out, but being very structured, like you're saying, in these premiums of higher returns. Right. There yeah. are things academically been proven to give them an advantage over the benchmarks, right. over the indexes, and that's what you need to focus on rather than trying to time the market mm -hmm. or pick individual stocks. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great fact of the week. Um, that leads us up here to our first topic, though, um, and that is seven ways to blow your retirement. <laughs> you know, this is a, a pretty recent article out of uh, Finance Buzz, um, Roger Walherner, Wal I guess, that mm -hmm. started this. Anyway, Matthew, you know, let's say that you've worked hard to save your, for your retirement. You've funded your 401k plan. You've used both... IRAs, Roth accounts as well, you know, your spending's under control and you're ready to move forward into retirement. However, this is not time to totally relax, you know, as far as your money's concerned. I mean, sadly, there are many folks in retirement or nearing retirement that find ways to ruin their finances and to put a real damper on their retirement plans. Um, so let's don't be among that group. So here are seven ways um, that we've seen retirees that tend to throw their money away. Mm -hmm. um, so the first one is, is you know, a big one that we see a lot, and that is just not paying attention to the little things. So, I mean, you're retired, you know, you have more time now to shop, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's so, well, there's a $50 item here, $25 here, maybe $100 there. Doesn't seem like much on the surface, but, you know, these smaller expenses can really add up in a hurry, um, particularly when you have more time and you're doing twice as much of it, mm. right? So, I mean, this is where tracking your expenses via a budget tool can really help. Yeah, and as you encounter these smaller expenses, ask yourself if you still need that product or service that you're contemplating. Who hasn't kept, you know, paying for a subscription to something or a gym membership that we've stopped using years ago, but uh, just honestly have never canceled? These little items can add up to ruin your budget in retirement if you continue to pay for them. Exactly. So pay attention to little things. Make sure you have a budget and you're not letting those get out of control. Second one here, Matthew, is remodeling your home. Um, so we're moving into the bigger things here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all want to retire to the picture-perfect home, right? I mean, particularly now that we're going to be spending a lot more time there. So, I mean, if you lived in the same house for a long time, you know, it certainly might be time to do some remodeling. And this can be a, a very cost-effective versus moving in and buying a new house. So no doubt remodeling is a good idea. 
Um, however, you know, it's important not to get carried away with this. I mean, it's also better to do this before you retire. So you have this big expense out of the way. I mean, having said that, you know, if you're planning to do a lot of the work yourself and then retirement would be a perfect time to take on that project, but be sure to set a budget for what you can afford and then stick to that budget. Hmm. Right. I mean, there are always nicer versions of, you know, a cabinet or flooring. But at some point, I mean, you have to weigh the benefits against the cost in terms of what the added cost can mean to your retirement finances. So just make sure that you've planned well and you have a good idea of what it will cost and then stick to that plan when it comes to remodeling your house. Mm, that's good. Yeah, this third one is is, is tricky uh, or just hard to implement, but dining out too often and too expensive. Uh, we all enjoy eating out. In fact, it's become America's favorite pastime. Unfortunately, it's also America's most expensive hobby, uh, which can consume your budget. And for retirees, it can be tempting to eat out four or five nights a week. After all, you don't have to get up early to go out to work uh, tomorrow. It's also easy uh, for those empty nesters um, to not have to cook. They just get to go out to eat and enjoy that time with someone they care about, with family, with you know, friends. Uh, but now that inflation has really kicked in over the past year, dining out has become more and more expensive, uh, especially at nicer restaurants, not to mention unhealthy. It's, you know, it can be unhealthy to eat out exactly. just so much uh, yeah. over, over time. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to resist that temptation. I mean, you know, and that's where restraint comes in. So you need to build a line item in your budget for dining out and then really track it, you know, do a real budget for that, real track, really track it and then do your best to stick to that expense every month and not let that just blow up. Um, so just because you're retired, I mean, don't let eating out become the norm. It can easily add thousands of dollars per mm -hmm. month if you let it. Mm -hmm. I've seen people that eat nice restaurants, you know, three or four nights a week and it, it, it just becomes an incredible expense. So don't let that happen. Um, the next one here is also a pretty big one, and that is buying new or expensive cars. Um, in fact, you know, I just sat down with somebody a couple weeks ago who had some debt issues, a very tight budget. Unfortunately, she had just purchased a new car with a $75,000 loan wow. and a $1,200 a month payment. That's a big payment. Um, that's a big payment, you know. After and, tax. After tax, yeah. I mean, and while she wasn't close to retirement, you know, that's a great way to blow up your retirement budget. I mean, I mentioned that, you know, she was now driving a used car. So why not just sell her used car, which is now used, and buy another used car at more than, no, no more than maybe half that price. Mm. And then then her payment would be cut in half and, it right. would, you know, put her budget above water. So. Mm. Yeah, and it, so at some point, you know, we're all going to need to replace a car in retirement. Um, you know, they get old, and the cost of repairs can become a financial burden. However, the cost of some new cars can be crazy, and the depreciation is almost always costs more than the repairs to your old car. Mm. I remember the late Larry Burkett, he used to say, you know, the cheapest car you're ever going to drive going forward is the one you're driving right now. Mm. <laughs> and and I really believe that's true in most cases. I mean, don't replace it and try to save money. The best solution from a budget and practicality standpoint is to determine what you need um, in a newer car. Look at used car vehicle prices, you know, that are in the two to five years old, maybe. Um, then try to get the best um, car that you can get for your money that meets your needs. Obviously, 
you know, if you can really easily afford a new car, then you plan for it and you can pay cash for it, then enjoy it. Do mm. that. That's great. But for the majority of us, you know, let's just stick to a good practical solution that fits a reasonable budget. Yeah, that's good. Uh, this fifth one is to ignore the stock market. Some may think that once they reach retirement, the best move is to be conservative with investments and move all or mostly to an all fixed investment like a money market or uh, even an annuity. Uh, the reality is that you still need growth to stay ahead of inflation. Um, the best solution is to allocate to an appropriate amount of stocks uh, and fixed income that will balance y- your need uh, for some growth while diversifying to uh, lower your downside risk in line with your comfort level and overall financial planning strategy. So we don't recommend retirees be 100% in the markets necessarily, right? but also not being 100% in cash. Somewhere in between, there's a risk tolerance that can be very helpful uh, for people to understand where they're at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, fixed investments can certainly be an appropriate part of your portfolio and should be for most retirees. And you're going to need to consider a considerable part of fixed once you start drawing money out on a consistent basis because you have to have a place to draw money out whenever the market's down. However, um, you also need to grow it for decades and to generate the income you need without depleting your basis. Um, So make sure you follow a balanced strategy, which incorporates enough stock investments and fixed income to meet your long-term plan. Mm. So um, the the, number six here on the list, Matthew, is owning more than one house. Um, You know, I mean, who doesn't want a nice second home where you can spend months at a time once you retire? I mean, perhaps you bought a vacation home while you were while your kids were younger and you enjoyed many vacations, family vacations there over the years. Um, However, at this point in your life, I mean, you need to weigh whether the cost of owning two or more homes makes financial sense, given the sizable cost Mm. of owning a second home. Sure, I mean, it could be appropriate and could be a decent investment, but it might not, too. So you have to look at that. And, you know, regardless, it's not likely to create any cash flow for your retirement budget. Worse yet, I mean, it's probably going to be a significant cash flow drain on your fixed income budget. Mm. Um, So ask yourself some basic questions before you buy or retain a second home in retirement. You know, can you really afford it? And is it still, uh, is it going to create any income that you need for your budget? Um, Will you and your family use a second home more than, say, 8 or 12 weeks a year? Um, Because if not, then you, you might be better off renting. And, and can you afford the taxes and the upkeep? Um, you know, would it make more sense to simply sell your primary home and move to the vacation property that you're thinking about? You know, so before buying a second home, just make sure your budget, you budget everything for owning a second home. You have a reasonable plan for those added expenses and it all works in your overall retirement plan. Hmm, that's good. This last one, um, we talk about money all the time and it can be uncomfortable. This last one is a little... Uh, in that in that vein, but giving money away to friends and family can you know this is a touchy so- subject at best. Mm-hmm. In some rare cases, it might be an unavoidable case, uh, such as serious illness, or you know we 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 do desire to help our family, so it could be something that you need to do. But in retirement, um, you don't have the income or time to recover from a large expense. If you're in retirement, it's probably time to put your foot down on sub on supporting adult children or family members who are capable of working themselves. And while this sh- probably should have been um, you know, done earlier, your fixed income may make this a necessity. 
So don't let your generosity ruin your hard-earned retirement, uh, especially for those who are capable of making decisions and able to you know, be on their own, but they're choosing not to. That, it could just be a right. good conversation, if, if nothing else, um, exactly. going forward. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they do have their entire lives to you know, make their way and pay down debt. So, you know, um, yeah, you got to be very careful there. Bottom line is, I mean, any of these items listed above, you know, that we just talked about, um, they may not be a retirement killer by itself, but several of these or other bad, you know, financial habits combined with these can certainly erode all of your hard work that you've done to save for retirement. And, you know, you have to remain vigilant and vigilant and focused in retirement to avoid making these classic mistakes. So have a plan, stick to it. And, you know, while, um, you know, you, you've worked hard for your golden years, so now it's time to enjoy it. So, you know, just make sure that you, you don't get sideways on some of these issues. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we can't stress enough the need for a sound financial plan, including a, a detailed budget and spending plan in retirement. So avoid these pitfalls and that'll go a long way to helping secure, um, your financial retirement. That's good. Um, so there you go. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. And this is a good question. Um, it says, this, should I buy points when getting a mortgage to get a lower interest rate? Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah. And we do get that from time to time. And, you know, now that rates have gone up, um, certainly it's a great, a great thing to consider um, to try to get a lower rate. Here's the thing. Um, I, th I think you need, a, you need to think of it in terms of at least a five-year payback on those mm. points. So, you know, if you spend, say, $2,000 on, on points or $3,000 on points, mm. you know, is the lower payment on your mortgage going to make back that two or $3,000 over five years? Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, then I would say it's not a reasonable return on your money. Don't buy the points. If the answer is yes then you need to ask yourself a second question. Are you going to stay in the house long enough, at least five years, mm. to, to get those points back? If you're just planning to be in the house a couple of years, then probably the answer is no. So those two things, how long are you going to be in the house, and can you make that the cost of the points back within five years? That would be my barometer for whether or not to, uh, to buy points. Yeah, that's good. And if you do have questions on that, please ask us. We'd be happy to run through that with you. Um, but yeah, five years, that's a good just benchmark, if you will. Yeah, for that rule of thumb. Good, yep. good one. All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And that is five tips for taking your talking to your parents about <laughs> taking, finances, taking their finances exactly. and five points. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> no. Yeah. And this is from Schwab. Uh, aging parents, you know, do face unique challenges when it comes to their finances. And, you know, just a couple of thoughts on how to help manage their wealth in the golden years. Uh, when we're young, you know, our parents try to help us manage our money effectively but as our parents grow, grow older, uh, the tables are likely to turn. Older adults, they do face a variety of challenges. They may feel less confident making financial decisions. They may have a harder time understanding their bills and brokerage statements. And studies show they have a greater chance of being targeted by financial scams. On top of that, today's retirees are living <clears throat> excuse me, longer and therefore may need help navigating long-term care in a retirement um, that can stretch on for decades. Yeah, absolutely. And adult children, I mean, they can play a very important role in helping their parents anticipate potential problems and planning for the future. But the challenge becomes figuring out how to do that in a way that feels supportive, you know, rather than condescending mm. or rather than, 
you know, it can be in, in, being interpreted that you're trying to somehow take control sure. of their finances. Um, so anyway, here are five steps for helping your aging parents manage their finances. Yeah, so the first one is to start slowly and early. Uh, parents who have an accumulated uh, significant wealth over the years may be offended by the idea that they'd ever need help managing their money. So don't be surprised if you meet some resistance. That said, the earlier you bring it up, the easier it will be to step in when they do need assistance. Uh, first realize this probably isn't going to be a one and done conversation. It's best to start slowly by finding common ground, such as a discussion about recent market performance or something to that extent. Uh, that should organically lead to talks about the overall health of their investments and any concerns they might have about the longevity of their retirement savings, which may just be an open door for you to walk in and um, to give some inputs or even just for you to ask questions initially in, in that stage as well. Yeah, I mean, even if your parents are amenable to help, um, you know, they may find it uncomfortable to talk about money. Um, you know, so the goal of this first stage is just to kind of um, get them talking, you know, it's not to get to the bottom of every last detail. So once they become more comfortable discussing the broad strokes about their finances, then you can move into more delicate subjects, mm -hmm. you know, about the details. Um, so that's a good one. Next one here is alert them to scams. You know, I mean, make sure that they're aware of the, the rise in financial fraud and the number of scams that are out there targeting seniors, good grief, it's so prevalent. I mean, we hear mm -hmm. about it all the time from, from clients, um, <clears throat> potential scams that are out there. And, you know, in 2021, the FBI Internet Crime Complaint Center received 847,000 complaints with reported losses of about $7 billion. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, approximately $1.7 billion which were victims over the age of 60. Wow. So, you know, very large percentage over 60, they're being targeted. Generally speaking, older individuals, you know, aren't, aren't as savvy with modern technology. So they won't pick up on things that seem like obvious scams, like, you know, a email phishing, you know, about their computer or, you know, somebody calling saying they're from Microsoft, you know, and they're here to you know, fix their problem or something. So yeah, just, just be careful. Yeah. And that's good. And this is not to say that, you know, seniors can't understand any of this or that, you know, if you're of that age that you're going to be taken advantage of, but it's just nonetheless an encouragement um, to, to have that conversation and extra precaution you might suggest is a power of attorney agreement uh, to give you or another trusted family member, the authority to manage and monitor their financial accounts with the power of attorney, your parents, retain control and ownership over their assets, uh, but their designated agent can sign checks, withdraw funds, and handle other transactions on their behalf. I know we've seen this with clients who have aging parents, and if they don't have the POA, it can be very difficult to uh, help yes. them. Even with us, when they come into the office, we need the signature of the client and not of the children if they don't have that POA. So this is just good, even if you're older, and you have adult children, this can be a way to serve your family well by going ahead and getting this established and having that on, on the books uh, for your family, because it can be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. And the next one here is to talk about health care. Um, yeah, with health care costs continuing to rise, a 65-year-old couple, they may need to save as much as $360,000 um, for the cost of routine medical care in retirement. Um you know, of course, Medicare covers a lot of that. I mean, there's, you know, most of that, in fact. But, 
Yeah, I mean, it's a huge number, though, and it can get out of control really quickly. So, you know, if one or both of them develop a medical condition, that, that number can go up. I mean, many married couples assume that one spouse will simply take care of the other one when they need help, you know, and they get older. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the idea of taking care of each other becomes re- less realistic mm-hmm. when you get older because you're both getting older, sure. right? And, and, you know, adult children... They could do some preliminary research into the cost of care, start thinking about how, you know, insurance or assistance from a family members might help keep their expenses down, you know, think about long-term care insurance, but, you know, try to help your parents see it from, um, you know, uh, sort of as a form of disaster planning. I mean, it's better be prepared for the worst case than to be blindsided mm. by disaster. And healthcare is no difference. They just need to look at it, think ahead, mm. how they're going to handle these expenses later in retirement. Yeah, that's good. All right. This fourth one is to ask about estate plans. Uh, as unpleasant as it is to think about, there may come a time when your parents are no longer able to make their own decisions. And we, we have talked briefly about the POA um, but also have a medical POA is, is important. As you just mentioned with the healthcare, you know, having that, you know, decision maker that is not you, if you're, you know, unable to make that can be uh, very important. Uh, and then, like you said, you know, the typical plan is for spouses to care for one another. Um, but you're right, as they're both aging, if, I mean, just picture if you have two 85-year-olds, mm-hmm. one is needing full-time care, can the other one provide that for their spouse? The answer could be yes, but likely it's going to say, no, we're actually going to need help. So, you know, just asking your parents, you know, what are your wishes with this? What are your desires? What are your estate plans that you would like us to carry out uh, to honor you? And just understanding that can be, can be very good. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, for instance, you know, most um, non-spouses who inherit a retirement uh, type account after 2019, they have to deplete it within 10 years mm-hmm. of, the, of the passing of their loved one. Or they face a penalty, you know, which can push them into a higher tax bracket. Um, but the potential consequences don't end there. I mean, taking withdrawals from an inherited IRA can also affect um, their decision about when to retire and can even uh, increase their Medicare premiums. You know, the worst case scenario it could impact maybe a disabled um, heir's ability to qualify for government assistance. So, you know, timing is crucial to minimize the tax implications. I mean, if you haven't already done so, ask your parents to introduce you to maybe their estate planning attorney or their financial advisor. Professional can really help in this area because it does get complicated. Um, So, you know, you just want to make sure you understand all the rules and the applicable estate planning strategies to help them avoid these problems. Yeah, that's right. So the taxes on that can be tremendous. So understanding, understanding even the assets in that is, is very important. And then this last one, number five is to include the family too often important discussions between parents and adult kids happen one-on-one rather than as a family. And that can create problems down the road. We see it all the time. An absentee sibling shows up and starts second guessing everything. That's why he urges, uh, you know, we, we would urge families to air out these issues uh, such as care and estate planning together. Uh, there is a natural tension when it comes to questions about, you know, who's going to take care of mom and dad. And the best way to avoid these hard feelings is to make sure that, you know, all relevant parties are at the table when you're making these decisions. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes, you just want to get that conversation started. I think this is an excellent topic. And, you know, um, and I think older older 
people need to think about this too. Um, you know, they need to start the conversation, you know, because the time is going to come for all of us someday right. when you can't handle your finances. So before mm. you get there, when you're in your 60s or, you know, certainly early 70s, you need to start having this conversation with your kids. Start opening up about your finances to them, you know, assuming they're trustworthy and they're not, you know, they're sure. not spendthrifts or something. Um, you want to enable them to help you. Mm. So, yeah, I would say to older clients and older people out there listening, Start thinking about bringing your kids and getting them involved in the financial picture that you have so that it enables them to start talking about it and enables them to help you. So I just will throw it out there from the other side of the equation. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So anyway, um, last thing here is the prescription of the week. Okay. And this one's from John Travis, (laughs) um, your dad. Yeah. I mean, so he came up with this. So it's time for some of you to to purge some of your files. Um, and I think he said he was going to do this by now, I think. I think by now. By now. So hopefully he's done this. <laughs> Apparently this is one of John's weaknesses. He keeps mm. stuff too long. He doesn't purge his files. Mm-hmm. So, John, if you're listening out there, bud, you need to clean this up and get your files purged. But that goes for all of us. We mm-hmm. all have this problem. This is not unique. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, some things you just don't need to keep, like more than six years of tax records, for instance. The IRS, um, they include the last three years in an audit. So you need to keep three years, but they can go back six years. But if there's a substantial error, but they mm. can't go back further than that. So that's just an example. Make sure you have a reasonable system for getting rid of old documents so Good. it just doesn't pile up and consume you. And that, yeah, I can goes, te- that I, goes I, dead. I can testify there. We have an addict in Aiken, the house I grew up where they're still at and I mean, boxes and boxes. I mean, it's a fire hazard at this point, honestly. So <laughs> that's what he's mentioning. So if you guys hear this okay. and uh, you can hold him accountable, you can ask him about that. There you go. Well, we all we all have that problem. <laughs> yeah, we do. Heaven we forbid do. everybody right. goes in our attic, right? That's right. So that's right. Uh, there you go. Good prescription of the week. And that brings us to close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week. There are more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. You can link to us there, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 